Keeping up on Seattle-area politics is tough. Who has time to sit through a three-hour council meeting and sort out which decisions will affect you most? Please vote aye. 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 Well, what if getting caught up on current events was as simple as getting a cup of coffee with some City Hall insiders who know which stories are hot and which are not? Welcome to Seattle News, Views, and Brews. And thank you for being with us on Seattle News, Views, and Brews, a baking show masquerading as a public affairs program. What can I tell you? I'm saying that just because we're going to have an update on Kevin's mad baking skills coming up soon. Kevin, thank you once again for being here. And for baking? Yes, indeed. That's a big part of it. That's Kevin Schofield. He's with Seattle City Council Insight. I'm Brian Callanan, a host on Seattle Channel. The views here expressed are my own. A special thanks to City Grind Espresso, the owners John and Charlie. They run that coffee stand on the first floor of City Hall. The sounds you are hearing in the background are thanks to them. They are our background noise sponsor. So let's get going with Right Here, Right Now. All right, so with this part of the program, we are working through what's happening right here, right now, in Seattle area politics, here in the first week of March. A really interesting situation playing out for the council right now when it comes to this winter evictions ban that the council just passed. A little bit of a battle between the mayor and the city council. So just to give you some background, the council approved this measure to ban people from being put out of their homes from December through February. The mayor did not veto it, but did not sign the legislation either, which allows it to become law. However, the mayor put a counter-proposal in place. She's talking about putting more money into eviction prevention, about $200,000 or so. Kevin, what's happening here? Well, this is going to be, uh, you know, not an either-or thing. It's really going okay. to be both at the okay. end of the time. And there's a lot of support on the council for, for the mayor's sort of uh, proposal that she did back. So she's said, uh, she's done the math and said, you know, first of all, the winter evictions ban, she doesn't think is going to be terribly effective. And, and she's pretty much right in mm-hmm. that it actually requires... Uh, tenants who are uh, being evicted who want to assert this you know, this ban to actually show up in court yeah. and assert it as a defense. Yeah, and a and study from the King County Bar has showed that that doesn't happen. That really, really doesn't yeah, happen. Half of the enough. evictions, they, they, don't, right. they don't show up. But the mayor's done the math and said, you know, it's probably going to be about 140 people in Seattle over those three months next mm-hmm. winter yep. who would potentially be evicted. So what would it cost to do rent assistance and legal assistance for those 140 people. Let's come up with that much money and let's fund a a local provider to do that. And so about $200,000 of city money is going to get matched by about $500,000 of of private funding for this. And they think they can cover those 140 people. So that's your proposal back. And Councilmember Lewis is super excited about this. And he thinks he's going to, he's, he said he's going to uh, sponsor that through the uh, city council's legislative process. Right, right. And, And it's interesting to point out, and I think this is where I think a lot of people might misunderstand here with this winter evictions ban, which might be a bit of a, a bit of a misleading phrase or evictions could actually still be in process in terms of that legal process. It's just that people would not be physically put out on the street. And I, I think when people look at that, this idea from the mayor might make a lot of sense to the city council. You mentioned Councilmember Lewis. I think this is going to get some support from the council too. Yeah. And Councilmember Lewis in the original winter, winter evictions ban right. put in a provision there for them to be uh, a new fund for uh, rent assistance. Yeah, for landlords uh, to and, recover. Right, right, right. He didn't find any funding for it. So yeah. this actually, 
the mayor's proposal actually dovetails really well with what he wanted to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens ahead with that one. But an interesting back and forth between the mayor and city council. We've had a ton of those. And we actually have one in process right now when it comes to recruiting for the Seattle Police Department. You've written about this, Kevin. There have been a couple of bad years when it comes to the SPD and recruiting. 2018 was especially bad. 109 officers left the force, but only 68 were hired. That turned around a little bit last year, but let's talk about the dynamic that's going on here, what the mayor wants to do, what the council wants to do, and I think maybe that larger issue of what our community wants to see. Yeah, Brian, as you said, uh, last year was a little better. So they, they, they ended up net positive 16 yep. for last year. So yep. they're a little better off. Still, but but, yeah. but given how far down from their target hiring for officers, yeah. Yeah, they're they're still way, way off. And yeah. 16 a year does not make a lot of progress. So no. they're really pushing harder at the Seattle Police Department on how to really up their game for recruiting. Yeah, below their budgeted level by about 100 officers or yeah, so. So there's still some work to do. They're, they're, they're you know, years off from getting caught up to where they want to be. So if they don't really get their game on, yeah. they're they're not going to make progress anytime soon on this. Okay. Um, a lot of this has been sort of questions about why don't people want to come work for SPD. Right. And, and first of all, it's important to realize that this is a national problem. Yeah. Every law enforcement agency in the country is having trouble hiring right yeah. now. Right. Yeah. It's just right now it doesn't seem like a very attractive pro- uh, profession to go into. Yeah. And uh, so the city is trying to do some things. They you know, they uh, have lost a bunch of people in 2018 and last year to what are called lateral hires where they've been pushed away by the departments. Yeah. So they've been trying to sort of get into that game as well and push people away from other departments. So the council approved um, a hiring bonus for people moving from other law enforcement agencies right, right. to the Seattle Police Department mm-hmm. uh, as, as one incentive to try to help. And that seems to have helped a little bit. But, you know, it's interesting that just coming back to the, you know, the, the issues about why the department's having trouble hiring. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe part of it's around the consent decree, but what they hear from a lot of police officers is that the police department and the officers on the front line don't feel like they're supported by the community. Yeah, supported by the community and supported by the council, too. I know a lot of things that Shama Sawant has said. I mean, there was a lawsuit regarding some of the things she said about the police department. She's been a very vocal critic, and I know you've talked about this, but this is something that I think is starting to reflect possibly on some of the other council members as well, and I think at least Lisa Herbold, in charge of that public safety committee, is trying to change that perception, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, Lisa Herbold and um, Lorena Gonzalez yeah. in particular have been very vocal about trying trying to reinforce all the things that the council has done to support the police department, get out there and combat this image that they're getting, largely, as you mentioned, because of Councilmember Swant's uh, very vocal critique of the police department uh, in uh, trying to show that the council largely does have support for them. And, you know, we'll see how that works out over time. But, you know, it's, it's interesting that... Seattle citizens don't really speak with one mind True. on this. There are some people who raise very good critiques of, and important critiques of over-policing by the police department in the past and, and ongoing bias policing concerns. And then there are people who say they want more policing, mm-hmm. right? And they want it to staff up and they want the police to crack down on public safety and, and other and you know, drug offenses and things like that. Yeah. But then you can also point the finger a little bit at the police department, sure. right? Because on one hand, they're saying, hey, we don't feel supported. But on the other hand, they've, 
at the negotiating table push back really, oh, really yeah. hard on a lot of the accountability measures. Yep, yep. Right? They got a hard line guy, right. Mike Nolan so, with Spog, who's right. working on that right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's really kind of a mix, and yeah. and and everybody's in there, and the conversation is very complex, and it's hard to really point at anybody and say that they're blameless. Yeah, a lot you're gonna really have to think about in terms of those billboards you're gonna see all over the city over the next couple of months here, talking about I'm from the community. A number of different officers there uh, trying to show to the community that it's a great uh, department to be uh, part of. A lot going on behind the scenes there. So thank you very much for that, Kevin. I want to switch it up right now to Now Hear This. Okay, so this is where we talk about some of the activity over the last week, and there was definitely a ton. Also listen in to what city leaders are saying about it. We're going to start by talking about the navigation teams. This is the team that goes out, deals with homeless encampments. Most often they are cleaning up those encampments rather than putting people into shelter, which is a big piece of this. There was a presentation about this last week in front of the city council. Kevin, you called it a a bloodbath in your column, and I don't think you were too far off. This was a very difficult one to watch and listen to, and there have been some repercussions after it, we'll talk about in just a little bit. So council members in general are concerned that the navigation team's claims that they're getting people into shelter are simply not true. Here's what council member Sawant had to say about it. I just cannot wrap my head around how out of touch this sort of bureaucratic presentation this is. You're saying you're doing all this, this is your frontline job, but it's not happening. Also, we heard from Councilmember Mosqueda. She was talking about the actual numbers involved, that in terms of what the NAV team was uh, was doing, in terms of its interactions, fewer than 23% of the people this team is contacting actually report to shelter within two days. That works out to just 6% of the homeless people contacted by the navigation team, or 45 people, over a three-month period. Here's what Councilmember Mosqueda had to say. My concern is that the statement that everyone that we come into contact with is offered shelter is just not reflected in the rate of referral. All right, Kevin, in terms of what's happening here, the other shoe definitely dropped after this meeting here when it comes to what's happening with the Human Services Department. Break that down for us. So uh, just talking about where we are with with the navigation team. Okay, let's start there. Sure. Yeah, let's start there. So you know, there's a lot of focus on the navigation team, and it, it, it is really in a, you know, stuck between a, a rock and a hard place okay. because it has two missions, and those missions in many ways, you know, it's become clearer incompatible with each other. One is to offer services to homeless mm-hmm. people to try to get them into shelter, get them into a substance abuse, mental health programs, whatever other kind of needs they have and satisfy mm-hmm. those needs to get them off the streets into a better place. But their job is also to clean up homeless encampments in places yeah. where we just can't have them. Right? Yeah, right. And, uh, and in some cases do that without, you know, if it's blocking a sidewalk or if it's creating an imminent public health or public safety hazard, do that right away. Don't wait 72 hours as required in other circumstances yeah. to give advance notice and do outreach and all those other things. Yeah. And so these missions just are go go head to head sometimes yeah. with each other they're, yeah. they're fundamentally they can be fundamentally in conflict yeah. and you know part of the feedback from the, the the city council is hey we don't like the way you're managing the conflict between these two things yeah. but yeah. but you know a lot of that really comes back to the city council and yeah. to the mayor and it's not the navigation team's fault. The navigation mm. team really isn't the problem. The yeah. problem is we don't have enough shelter and yeah. we don't have enough affordable housing, yeah. right? So what that means is our shelters fill up, 
people can't move out of them into affordable housing, mm-hmm. and we don't have open spaces for the navigation team and other outreach workers that the city contracts with right. to go actually get people off the street into these shelters. Yeah, and I mentioned that other shooter drop. we got to bring this up at this point. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to talk about Jason Johnson. He's right. gone. What, what, what's happening he, there? He's gone. So He resigned. In, so in this meeting last week... The head of HSD, excuse the, me. The go head ahead. of the Human Services Department was at the table yeah. along with his, his newly hired head of the navigation team, mm-hmm. and they tried to spin a very positive story about the work that the navigation team was doing. And as you heard from those comments yeah. from Mosqueda and Suwant, the council was really not buying it. They yeah. were not the only two on the council who, True. Were, not, who True. were not buying it. Yep. And, uh, and, and the navigation team didn't go into that meeting with a lot of credibility, but they essentially left with none. And Johnson has been in, in, a, in a tough spot for a while uh-huh. because Mayor Jerkin appointed him last year to become right. the permanent head of the Human Services Department. Yep. And council didn't the, go along with that. The council did yep. not go along with that. So Durkin ended up withdrawing his nomination but appointing him to be interim head yeah. basically until the regional homeless authority got spun up yeah. and at which point a big chunk of the homeless uh, the human services department would go spin over to that anyway. So yeah. she said he's my guy to sort of see that part to the end and then we'll yeah. do a big reorg. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at this, thinking about the regional homelessness authority that's going into, into place, thinking about the role that needs to be in place for the human services department, which is going to stick around even with that yeah, regional they've got, homelessness Yeah, they've got authority. lots of other things that are on their plate as well, including ser- services to the uh, to the aging community, yes, right, right, a bunch of other things that they do. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out who fits that role. This was such a contentious process, with uh, Johnson being suggested by the mayor yeah. there, or yeah. uh, excuse me, affirmed by the mayor, and the council saying no dice. I know Councilmember Sawant was leading those hearings, really had some issues with it, and the entire council, as it has turned out, has not been a, a fan of his for a long time. I'm just trying to figure out who fits that role. You know, I think it's hard to say, but I I think a lot of that is going to be looking at what the portfolio of of that department is after the homelessness stuff spins over to the regional authority over the course of this year. You know, it'll be much more focused on aged, much more focused on uh, community health programs. And, and, you know, that changes the scope and that changes the kind of person that you hire. Yeah. But Jason Johnson last week retire, uh, resigned from the yeah. position a couple yeah. days after the meeting yeah. and um, sent a letter out to his staff talking about, you know, how much he appreciates the staff and the work and, and has valued being part of that team. Yeah. We, you know, we'll see where he goes on from yeah. here. Mayor yeah. Durkinson on a nice little note, sure. uh, thanking him for his service. Yeah, yeah. It's just this whole issue of the navigation team is so fraught. And I think bringing in the Regional Homelessness Authority will help somewhat. But I think uh, this is a team that uh, doesn't have a captain right now for uh, to throw in the sports analogy there. It, it's difficult to know exactly what their role is going to be going forward, but that's going to be I would have to say a job that the Regional Homelessness Authority and HSD is going to have to figure out going forward. Right. And at this point, the Regional Homeless Authority doesn't have a captain That's right. Yet either, That's right. right. That's right. So, so we've got a whole bunch of homeless efforts going on yeah. in Seattle. The county is trying to spin up their yeah. own, and there is no one at the yeah. home at the moment. Yeah, and there's a state piece, too, that we're going to bring up in just a little bit with House Bill 2948. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the LEAD budget. This is Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion, a program that has been very successful over the past several years. So the mayor proposed in her last year's budget a $300,000 increase to LEAD. This is on top of the $3.7 million from King County. But the city council went big, looking for $3.5 million. They actually called for that in their budget, the Balmo Group helping out in 2020 with some of those dollars. But the mayor's office has said, slow your roll. The council wanted this as a contract signed in this first week of March. 
that's not happening. Uh, talk about what now with this. Actually, it may happen. They're, super, okay. they're actually super, super close on this. Okay. You think but, so? Okay. But what's happened with this is that lead, uh, you know, over the last several years as, as it's gone along, started as a uh, criminal arrest diversion right. program. You'd run into a right. cop and you'd have some issues and that officer and, and, would get you to service. Yeah. Instead of that officer arresting you, yep. they refer you to this program that gets you case management, they get you... Uh, set up and they get you out of the court system yeah. and and uh, out of jail and onto a path where you can actually fix your life. And these these are for low level offenses. Too. For low level offenses, right. for low level drug offenses, yep. for prostitution, right. for maybe minor theft, things yep. like that. Yep. Um, but what we're seeing today now with the program is that the vast majority of referrals into this program are not coming from arrest diversion. Yeah. They're coming from social referrals from police officers who are running into people in the community yeah. and from businesses and other community members who are right. saying, hey, I see this person. They're, they're you know, they seem to be causing trouble mm-hmm. sort of on the streets outside right. of business. Right. Can we sort of get them help and get them into this program? Right. Right. Which is all great. Sounds good. Right. But now as we massively scaled this program beyond a pilot, the mayor has said, hey, Let's actually figure out, given this program looks a little different than what we started, Mm -hmm. what the right goals are, how we measure the success of that. And the council has said, yeah, okay, but you're slowing down this program that we know we need to scale up anyway. Yeah, yeah. you know, do we really need to slow down things? Yeah. And sort of, yeah. uh, you know, we, we know that the, the lead program today has an enormous amount of, of backlog. They're, they're, they're case managers. They don't have enough of them. They have 19 yes. of them. They probably need about 70, given the yeah. case that they're carrying right, right now. And they've got a backlog of about 300 more people who are just waiting to be referred into the program. Yes. Right? Why are we slowing down hiring all those people? Yeah to do this evaluation when we know at the end of the day we're going to have to hire those people anyway. Right. And this is a there's a study going on by the city from Bennett Midland. Uh, and apparently that's going to be completed sometime in May to kind of allow city the city to figure out how we're going to work with LEAD, how we're going to update the contract with it. I think the mayor was looking at this as sort of a, a tiered response. Okay, here's some money and then some more money down the line when we get into uh, phase one and phase two, as she was calling it here. But I, I think the city, at least the city council, has been wanting to get this get this going a lot more quickly. I yeah, and there's a lot of miscommunication yeah. between the Human Services Department. Uh, and, you know, this is, this is one of those interesting programs, which is, you know, partly human services and partly sort of public safety yeah. and, and it involves SPD and involves the city attorney's office, yeah. involves human services department, involves outside providers yeah. and the public defenders association. Sure. And so um, it's hard to figure out kind of where you would actually land oversight of this program mm-hmm. just within the city. Is yeah. it human services? Is it SPD? Is it right. attorney's op? You know, where does it, where mm-hmm. does it land? And that's been one of the causes of miscommunications across this, right? Because yeah. whoever's owning it right now, it's human services, yeah. you know, needs to consult with everybody else yeah. and everything that's going on. So, so there's been miscommunication with the outside providers who yeah. are really running this program. Right. There's been miscommunication with the council on this and that's been a lot cause of a lot of the friction over the last couple of months yeah. around this. It all seems like it might be getting sorted out now <laughs> and they hope they can get a contract in place in the next week or so. Okay. But you know, we'll see. Okay. Definitely. Lawyers. Lawyers. Yeah. There's always lawyers. All, always fun with that. All right. Let's head towards our final segment. What's next? <laughs> 
wanted to talk about the Transportation Benefit District. Uh, always a fun phrase to talk about. This is something that voters have approved in the city of Seattle. They did it last in 2014. Six years of funding through an additional $60 vehicle license fee and that 0.1 sales tax fee. This expires at the end of 2020. So these are some dollars that have been used to pay for additional Metro bus service in and around Seattle. The last time we were talking about this, the county had a measure in August of that year. It failed. The city scrambled a little bit, said, hey, we got to get something on the ballot in November. They did. It passed. Seattle got some extra services. Now it looks like we're talking about this all over again in the year 2020. King County saying, hey, we got this new transportation district funding we're working on. But the city says, wait a minute, this isn't going to work out too well, possibly on the ballot. Yeah, there's the issue about the ballot and whether it would you know, pass on the August ballot or not and whether the city of Seattle would have enough time to yeah. scramble if necessary once again and get something on the November ballot, which they wouldn't because the deadline for getting something on the November ballot is election day in August. So crazy, right? yeah. But uh, sort of the bigger issues around this, besides the timing part, yeah. is just figuring out sort of what's the best way to to, to, to fund transportation. And, the and Seattle, allocate resources. The yeah. Seattle Transportation yeah. Benefit District, pretty much by every measure, has been just a huge success. Yeah. Right? And... You know, you look at Seattle right now, and it's basically the only major city in the mm-hmm. United States that has seen public transit utilization go up. Yeah, over, over, the, past, last, over the past decade. That's a big deal. Over the past deal. decade. Yeah. Every other city, it's gone down. Seattle, it's really working. Yeah. And part of the reason is really the Seattle Transportation Benefit District, yeah. Yeah. which said, let's get – one of the big goals of it was let's get – frequent transportation like every 10 minutes mm-hmm. set out across the city so that 70 the goal is 70 to 72% of the residents of the city are within a 10 minute walking distance of of yeah. of, of frequent transportation yep, yep. right and that's really worked. Yeah. It's made it convenient for a lot of people. The other big goal of the, uh, the Transportation Benefit District has been increasing access, like for low-income communities. Yep. So mm-hmm. there's a great program now called VIA, yes. which has little shuttle buses that yep. will pick people up basically at their home in low-income neighborhoods like Columbia and you know, River, mm-hmm. Near Valley and places like that yeah. and bring them to the right rail station or to the major yeah. transit hubs so they can catch transit from there. And that's been that's been a big success too. Yeah. So the dark shadow over all this is Initiative 976. Right, 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 right. Which, because right now the Transportation Benefit District for Seattle is being funded by car taps. Yeah. Which, assuming that 976 is affirmed, yeah. they can't do anymore. So yeah. they have to rely on um, sales taxes, property on taxes. Property taxes. Yeah. They got one or two other sources they can use. Yeah. But it would be a much tougher road for them to go. Yeah. So the county right now is looking at a 0.2% sales tax. Right to do this. Right. And the mayor sent a letter to the county right. last week saying, hey, saying, make sure we get the same stuff we had say, before. Yeah, yeah, saying, we're okay with that, mm-hmm. but our priority is still the same. And, yeah. and it's this frequent transit service to yep. 72% mm-hmm. of, of our residents. Yeah. And it's access to low-income communities. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, and I really think that's going to be the battle heading forward. We'll see what the the county and city figure out there, but it's just how those resources are allocated. Uh, I know this whole concept of Seattle, don't go it alone. You hear a lot about that. But in this case, it's something that's really worked out for the city. So we'll, we'll see how the city and county hash that one out. I wanted to touch on for our last topic here, what's happening with the state business tax plan, this uh, House Bill 2948, a hearing in Olympia late last week about this. We heard from these mayors who were saying, hey, it's not just Seattle here. This whole idea of preempting cities from passing their own sorts of business taxes, uh, don't do that. We need to have that ability to do these different things. 
there was also some concern over the inequity of the taxes. There was an interesting point brought up by the mayor of Auburn, Nancy Backus, who was saying, okay, it's not necessarily all about the dollars and where they're put around the county, but allocating the actual affordable units all around the county because it costs different things in different cities to build these things. So that was a big piece too. I also heard some pushback from businesses, a number of different businesses talking about this with regard to preemption. But they also are looking at, hey, it's such a interesting arbitrary line here. You're saying if you have 50 employees and uh, your gross receipts are three million or more, uh, then you're in, but then you're out if you're so you could actually uh, figure out a deal where you could cut employees and, and get under this level, and people could actually skate right through it. So there's so many different pieces at work here, Kevin. I wanted to talk about what struck you in that hearing and, and where you think this bill might go. Yeah, I thought I thought the I listened to it too. I thought the the business complaining about sort of the complexity of the bill yeah. and people gaming it, you know, was was, was overstated. I see. People, okay, businesses and individuals always game taxes. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they will. You're they right. Do. And it, and it's not really this one is just not really that complex. There are complex taxes out there. Okay, this isn't one of them. I thought <laughs> kind of a more salient point was an interesting point was there were a number of people representing sending various kinds of healthcare professionals. Yes. Professionals, including, you know, an alliance of doctors. Yeah, uh, ProLiance was there, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the issues they brought up is that uh, there are a lot of sp- specific taxes around those kinds of businesses, mm-hmm. right? So their issue was, okay, are you sure you're looking at kind of how many taxes you're layering on top of each other for specific yeah. groups like this? Yeah. And so, you know... That's going to be a thing that, that the legislature is going to have to look at. Yeah, right. Who gets exempted here? Because I know cancer care centers are exempted. and yeah, There's yeah, a bunch of different yeah, carve-outs yeah. here that are really, really interesting. Yeah. I also heard it, too, from the um, Association of General Contractors. They were pushing back against this because they were saying, almost like Seattle versus the other cities around the county, they were saying this puts King County in a bad position when it talks about the other counties that are involved, you know, Pierce or whatever else or, or Thurston, whatever. They're saying that this uh, puts King County in a bad situation, which I know. No, they're trying to game the system too yeah. here, but it, yeah. it's it's a competitive issue. They would argue. Well, this, this is going to be you know some tough decisions for the legislature. Yeah. This is this yeah. is how the political process works. Right, right? people right. get taxed, and the people who are going to get taxed push back on it. Yeah, yeah. we see that locally here in Seattle. Yeah, very clearly. Oh yeah, you know, we see that in the county. We yep. see that at the state and federal level as well. Yeah, all part of this effort to really try to cut off at the pass what's happening with Shama Sawant and the tax Amazon measure that she's talking about could turn into a citizen measure. So we're going to have to see what happens there. All right, once again, need to get to the most important part of the show. Kevin has brought some more baked goods, hasn't told me what they are. I think I can, you can see, see them. what they are. You can are. see them. Let, let's break this what, down. What, what do we what, got? What do, they, we got what do they look like here? They look like chocolate chip cookies. Like there's big globs of they, chocolate chip-like looking things. Are, I'm gonna, opening up the bag here. They okay. are chocolate chip cookies. Okay, I'll take one. Thank one. you. Okay. All right. These are, smell them. Smell them. Smell them. Okay, smell, are, smells like a chocolate chip cookie. Should I bite into it and then you tell me? What do we do? I'll tell you right now. These okay, are sourdough chocolate chip cookies. Get out of here. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my first bite. Here we go. What just happened there? Isn't that crazy good? That's awesome. Imagine, if you will, if you're listening at home, as I chew and talk at the same time, that you had yourself a sourdough roll, a, a thicker baguette, if you will, but then you put in the chocolate chips and you densify it into cookie form. This is kind of where I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it's a little sweeter, but but, but it's, it's awesome. It, it's got this really great balance, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. chocolate chip cookies, in my mind, they got to be sweet. But if that 
cooky part of it doesn't have the right yeah, saltiness to it, then you miss yeah, out. You know, the, the and savory and the, and the sweet. Yeah, and the chocolate cookies can be like overly sweet. Making yeah, they can be. Say. And this is definitely not overly sweet. You can say wow. it's but you get the tanginess out of it. Yeah. It works super well with the chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finishes like a champ. This is, yeah. all right, just so you know at home, when you see SCC Insight, we're not talking about Seattle City Council. We're talking about Seattle Chef Cuisinier en Francais. Expert chef. That's what we're talking okay, about. I can here. say we are definitely not talking about that. <laughs> definitely not talking about that. This is really good stuff, Kevin, and I almost feel like the, the gauntlet has been laid. May I bring some baked goods next oh, week? Absolutely. So we got to compare and contrast. Ne- ne- next Because I really, week, really don't know what I'm doing. Next week, it's your turn. <laughs> All right, it's on. Thank you very much once again, Kevin, for joining me. Thank you. All right, so the next time you want to know what's going on with local politics, give us a listen here at Seattle News, Views, and Brews and find out what's brewing. You can reach us via email at seattlenewsviewsandbrews at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and thank you so much for listening. Seattle News, Views, and Brews is an independent production of Callanan Media Services. Copyright 2020.